2: Welcome
3: to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Wonderful day.
4: Absolutely beautiful outside. Hope you get a chance to, uh, to wander around out there. I think it's like 70 degrees or so. Sunny. Very, very nice. And we're talking about Indian summer last week. Kath and I were, and uh, perhaps this is what they mean by an Indian summer day. Speaking of Kath, uh, she is off again today, feeling a, a little uh, under the weather perhaps, and uh, just taking some time for some uh, R&R to, to get herself back into full vitality. So she's fine, though. She really is fine. <clears throat> I was talking to a, a buddy of mine. We were talking about another friend of ours. You know how you... <laughs> And I don't think it's gossip. We're just, this is a good guy. And we were, you know, we're having coffee and we're saying, what about that guy? You know, you know that guy and da, 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 da. And my friend made this offhand comment. He said, like I just said, he's a really good guy, isn't he? And you know, you know how you see people and and you get to know them and you, you kind of know, at least you think you do, right? That's a good person. But I've been thinking about that comment. What is a good person? And, and is it enough to be a good person? And of course, I, I don't think it is. And if, if you know Jesus, I, I, right, to be a godly person, right? You want to be a godly person. And, and so what is a godly person? And is a godly person a holy person? Do those things, is a good person a godly person? No. Is a godly person a holy person? And I don't think necessarily that's, that's true, that you can be godly. You can follow along with God and the commandments and do things to be a godly person. But I, that lifting up of holiness, I think, is something that's set apart. So what defines a person as being godly according to the Bible? Well, subjectively, many people think as long as they don't lie or steal or cheat or are kind to others, they're a good person and life is good. And in that situation, a person is good, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that person is godly, like I said. So what does it mean to be godly? What's the difference between a good person and a godly person, right? We know really good people. We also know godly people. So what's the difference? What does it mean to be holy, There are objective answers to these questions, and the answers are written throughout the scriptures. And if you have an open mind and objectively look into the subject, you'll find that God wants to teach us about him, right? The kingdom of God and and how to be godly and how can we participate in the things that God calls holy. Very often, I think, throughout the course of time, people are forced to make decisions that will lead them either down a path of one or two places. A good place or a bad place. Or I would say maybe a place of life or a place of death. From a biblical perspective, right, that is life or death, good place or a bad place. The way that God designed the world is amazing, and it's quite remarkable when viewed through the lens of everybody having to choose one of those two paths. That's why God has given us free will. Everyone is required to decide if they will choose to head down the path of life or the path of death, right? I believe that that's true. And I think that's obvious. When you look at your own self and you look at your own choices, you see what path you're headed on. And I think the good news is a lot of us, you see yourself headed down the bad path towards death, and you think, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Let me back up here. Keeping God's commandments are the path to life. Are they not? Jesus said that in John fourteen fifteen. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So if you love God and you choose to keep his commandments, you'll realize that this path, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, is a lifelong process and a journey that takes effort and commitment. I mean, oftentimes, I don't know about you, sometimes to me, it's minute by minute, if not second by second, because we all screw up. Right? God uses commandments or circumstances, I should say. God uses circumstances in our own life to decide which path we'll choose. Many times, you know, it's its not a, a single choice that takes us down a particular path. But through a series of many choices, we end up where we are in life. Some of these choices are made because of our character traits, our individual personality. Choices are also influenced by an individual's environment that we live in, Right the family we were born into, the friends we choose to associate with. All these things, I think, play a major role in a choice that a person makes. And ultimately, the decision to follow God's path or not to follow his path is made through many decisions. And each of us is on a path towards life or path of death. And I think just because, you know, you make one or two or even multiple, multiple, multiple bad decisions in life does not make you a bad person. It means that they've made decisions that potentially lead to death. So if a person makes enough bad decisions without repenting, then that person finds it difficult, if not impossible, to make correction and get back on the path towards life because your heart becomes so hardened. You ever have a hard heart? You know what that's like, how that feels? A person can choose to be godly, and someone who makes the choice I think seeks the kingdom of God, I think that's why we're here together here right now, right you, you made a conscious choice, I mean not necessarily me, God for you know no, but to hear preachers and teachers talk about God, talk about scripture, to drill down into that, you make a conscious choice, right It's like a conscious choice whether you read your Bible or not or how you engage in life. It takes a lifetime to study and learn God's ways. And a person can choose to either repent or not. Choosing to repent, of course, will gain you access to the kingdom of God. And, And that's why Jesus preached to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So being a godly person does not necessarily mean you have to be perfect. It means you're willing to make continual correction in order to know that God is his commandments, that he is true, and God is the path towards life, not death. I've been thinking about these things, that's all. What makes a good person? What makes a godly person? What makes a holy person? Uh, there's just some thoughts that I thought about today as we get underway with today's show. We're going to talk about these things, I think, in various aspects of today's show and uh, provide uh, hopefully some some insight, maybe uh, some some wisdom for us all. That's all. We'll take a quick break. When we do come back, uh, one of our regular guests, Chris Martin, is going to join us. And uh, Chris is going to ask this question. What's the question about how you engage in media? And how does that choose the road of good or bad in your life? That's next in The Right Home.
5: 101.5 WORD.
6: Next time
5: on PowerPoint with Jack Crayon.
6: We are to pray that the will of God be done. The prayer life of the believer is not twisting God's arm, but rather it is adjusting our will to the will of God.
7: Tune in next time for PowerPoint with Jack Graham. PowerPoint tonight at 9.30 on 101.5 WORD.
8: Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins. Pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a Corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old-time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of course we have great eats inside too with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixings. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Spring House in 84 PA 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com.
0: Christian television is one of the best way to tell the world the truth, where you don't have to live in chaos and you can access peace and hope and that there is a God who loves you.
9: Bridge of Hope is coming soon on Cornerstone Television Network. Get involved and hear from special guests, Auntie Ann Beeler, founder of Auntie Ann's Pretzels, David and Nicole Binion, Jay Gilbert, Mike Smalley, and Jennifer Evaz. Join us October 3rd through 7th at 8 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network.
7: Bachman's Roofing and Solar is your local award-winning roofer. Stop waiting. It's time to inspect your roof and protect your home's number one asset. With no interest and no payment financing for 12 months, Bachman's Roofing is your easy choice for roofing, gutters and solar. Did you know Bachman's Roofing is one of the number one GAF solar integrated roofing installers in the USA? Go with Bachman's. Go with solar and install the roof that pays for itself. Call 412-744-8390 or visit Bachman's Roofing
5: You've already heard a lot about the exceptional retirement lifestyles available at St. Barnabas. Here's what you might not know. St. Barnabas is a Christian organization that dates back to 1900. That's when Episcopal monks started the tradition of taking care of those who had no ability to do it themselves. Sure, the campus may have changed a bit over the years, but the mindset is still the same. Think about it. Luxury retirement with like-minded people. Now that's an easy decision. Call St. Barnabas, 724 443 Zero seven hundred.
4: You might find yourself on social media, whether it's, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, you name it, and you're scrolling. Uh, this happens to me, and I think, what the heck am I doing? What am I doing here? What does this even mean? What's this all about? It's just, I'm scrolling. I'm moving my finger up and down, reading, thinking, you know, engaging for better or worse, well, Chris Martin's with us. Chris is a regular guest on our show. He's a writer. His uh, newest book is called Terms of Service, The Real Cost of Social Media. And uh, Chris is here to ask us a question. Chris, hold forth. What's the question?
10: Hey, John, good to be here. Yeah, thanks, uh, the question the question I have for us is um, a question I think we should all be asking if we use social media, which is, I think, about 80% of us, if you're listening and you're an American um, the question I want us all to ask, and really it could come in two variants, so I'll give them both. The question is this, what do I hope Facebook does for me? And, and not just picking on Facebook, I'm, you could ask this of your favorite social media platform. Okay. What do I hope Instagram does for me? Or asked in another way, similar, what is my goal when I open Twitter? What What's my goal when I open TikTok? Mm. What am I hoping happens? for me or to me when i open these apps or or log on to the websites on my computer right i think a lot of us go about you know and this is kind of a life thing as much as it is as it is a social media thing but i think a lot of us go through life and especially our life on social media and just kind of let things happen to us um rather than happening to the world around us now there are certain things that happen to us that we can't control you know i've been in a car accident before that happened to me. There's not a whole lot I could have done to that, um, and there are there are certain things in our lives that happen to us that are totally out of our control, and, and there's not a whole lot we can do except manage how we react to those things. But on social media, we don't have to let Facebook happen to us, yeah. or we don't we don't have to let Twitter happen to us. There are so many friends or coworkers I've had over the years working in social media as I have uh, who who use it for themselves and complain about Twitter just makes me so frustrated or Facebook just leaves me feeling upset. Um, and I get it. Those apps have done the same to me, but my friends and or coworkers who have said those things kind of maybe complaining about those social media platforms will then return to using them. uh, despite how these things maybe make us feel Mm -hmm. and, and it, it's kind of the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Yeah. Um, And I think there's a sort of like, a sort of like gambling vibe where it's like, oh, last time, and this is baked into the, we don't need to get into all the psychology of social media, but this is kind of baked into the psychology of social media. It's like, well, last time I used this social media platform, it made me frustrated, but maybe this time it'll make me happy. I don't really know. And the mystery is kind of part of the fun. Yeah. Um, And and I think that that is part of what gets us sucked in. But I think too many of us, go into using social media and just kind of we sit back and we consume and we and we just let it happen to us I you know I'm a baseball guy I think I think you you're I am for sure your affinity Mm -hmm. for baseball and um and I think it's when I used to play baseball it was like are you get are you letting that grounder catch you on your heels Mm -hmm. if anyone's played baseball and you play the infield or whatever you let a grounder catch you on your heels, it's, it it eats you up is yep. also a term that's used. You let the grounder eat you up and, and then what happens is that it goes through your legs or it bounces off your glove and goes over your shoulder or something like that. You need to be on on your toes or on the balls of your feet, kind of ready to feel that ground ball. I feel the same way about how we approach social media. Yeah. A lot of times we approach social media on our heels. You know, we're literally sitting back in our recliners or laying in our beds or or whatever, and we're just kind of letting it wash over us and And letting it make us feel certain ways. Whereas I think we should approach social media more intentionally, on the balls of our feet, on our toes, even, ready to field whatever it is that's going to come at us, positive, negative, or somewhere in between.
4: Yeah.
9: Okay, so Um, that that
4: all sounds
10: like you know, sorry, Chris. It all sounds like, you know, if you let it happen,
4: then it just kind of sounds like a bad habit, right? I'm doing this, I'm getting on a Facebook or I'm getting on Twitter because that's what I've done for the past number of X years, right? Uh, So uh, there's a conscious choice there, whether we choose to get on or not. You know, you said something early on that 80% of people, at least in America, in some form or another are choosing social media. What about the other 20%? What are they doing? Why do they say no to that? You know, their non-engagement in social media is pretty interesting as well.
10: Yeah, and I think that could be totally healthy. It also could be kind of unhealthy. When it comes to social media use, I think there are, are like sort of two ends of a spectrum. There's uncritical embrace- and passive ignorance. And uncritical embrace is kind of what 80% of us maybe do. Those of us who use social media, we just embrace it. We're not very critical of it. We just kind of let it happen to us. And oh, there's some new feature. Well, why don't I try that out? That seems cool. Or there's some new platform, some new social media app. I, I'll just try it out and see see what happens. It seems kind of interesting. And we just uncritically embrace all of these new things that come our way. Yeah. that's That's one form of unhealth that I think most of us are prone to. The other form of unhealth, May be among those twenty percent of folks who aren't using it. They just they just passively ignore social media. You know, when I first got a job in social media back in two thousand thirteen, I had a really well meaning so uh, well meaning family member who said, "Should you really be getting a job in social media? It just kind of seems like a fad. Like I really think like it's going to be mm. going away in the next few years." Yeah, and I think a lot of people here, even in twenty twenty two, still think of social media as like a sort of fad that like isn't impacting our lives in a big way. Yeah. And my hope is, especially over the last few years, we've come to recognize that, no, it, it really does in some pretty consequential ways. And so my hope is that even if you're a part of the 20% of Americans who, who virtually never touch social media, A, good for you. Like, that's great. You don't have to worry about the distraction sure. and all kinds of other things. But also, I would just ask you, if you are among those people, to not be ignorant of it, like kind of be... The sort of nice, happy middle ground in between being uncritically embracing and passively ignorant, I think, is a sort of intentional engagement. Now, that intentional engagement doesn't have to be using it. I think it can just be like being aware of what these things are and what they're doing and maybe some of the statistics of how they're affecting people. Like earlier this year, when the data came, about, came out about how Instagram is having a negative effect on teen girls' mental health. I think it would be good if you were a parent of a teenager who's like, I'm not into any of that social media stuff. Maybe, yeah, you don't use Facebook, you don't use Instagram, but it might be good for you to not be ignorant of the fact that Instagram may be negatively affecting the health of your teenage daughter sure. and or certainly your teenage son.
4: And if you've got a kid, I mean, you need to be on social media, right? I mean, I just think that that's sort of – you blind ignorance is not a way to approach it. You've got to know what your your kid's doing, no matter if they're, you know, 10 or 25 in some way. Now, the the weird thing to me about social media, Chris, is that, of course, it's going to be here. I, I don't, like you're saying, I, I don't think it's going to be, it's a fad. I don't think it's going to go away. But certainly, the the platforms themselves have evolved, are evolving, will change as time changes. And I believe for most people, our use or disuse of them also evolves. Don't you think?
10: Oh, totally. Our relationship with social media is ever evolving. And in fact, I read a great article last week about what it's like to grow old online. (laughs) Um, because, Because the earliest social, like, and I've also written recently about how social media is not just a youth ministry issue or a teenage issue. Because the earliest Facebook users are now like pushing 40. Right? right. Right. And like, I'm, I'm a young millennial and I'm 32. Yeah. So like, and I was on Facebook when I was 16. Mm-hmm. So if we have this idea that social media is like a young person's issue that we need to put that by the wayside, like that is not the case anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think our, we're going into, we're ever, we're ever scouting into like we're, if you imagine like we're always on the Oregon trail of social media, if you will, like we're, we're pushing West and we're reaching new territory. Not that new apps are coming out every day. I mean, new, new apps are coming out with relative frequency, but more so that we're, we're pushing into like, Hey, there's a, there's a 50 year old using a 42 year old using Facebook right now who was using Facebook when they were in college yeah, and uh, they have grown old on the internet, and they used to make fun of old people on the internet when they were 22 on Facebook, <laughs> and now they are a quote-unquote old person on the internet. Surprise. And that, that has a societal effect on us. It sure. really does. And I think if we don't pay attention to those things, they can kind of sneak up on us and impact us in ways we don't pay attention to. So I'm not saying that everybody needs to become a social media expert and sure. spend the amount of time reading the stuff that I do. But I do think that we should all be well versed in social media and its effects on us, regardless of how much time we actually spend scrolling our preferred platform, Very whether good. that's zero hours a day or two hours a
4: day. Right. Okay, so then depending upon the platform, I use social media for different things. Now I gotta say this, when I first came onto Facebook many, many years ago, like everybody, you were like, holy smokes, this is a playground, it's a way to, at least for me, to re-engage with people who I've lost contact with, right? Old friends from high school, old family members, you got to see things, and there was all these conversations. Now for me, I kinda go, eh, I'm I'm pretty much over it. Um, I don't post on Facebook hardly ever. I'm not really interested in what's out there. I appreciate the stalwarts who are still there, who are still talking about family and whatnot. It's not necessarily for me anymore. Twitter, I'm interested in Twitter because there's this conversation, there's ideas, there's, you know, back and forth, there's politics, it's all these social trends. That interests me. Instagram interests me in some ways because I, I love imagery and I want to see all that. There's a, it's a, an avalanche of Im- imagery. So I, I guess probably, you know, my engagement with it is a little different than yours, even though there's a through line through it.
10: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I like Twitter for keeping up with sports news or social media developments yeah. or things like that. I I like keeping track of, you know, I keep track of Facebook for, yeah, seeing some family members who I may, you know, I may only see twice a year at Thanksgiving and Christmas, sure. but I do want to know what's going on in their lives in March or in June or, or whatever. <laughs> right, right. And it's, and, and we live, you know, we live six hours away from each other. So I think everybody uses social media differently. And I think, I don't think there's like, Uh, I don't think there's like an inherent evil way we all tend to use social media. Now we can all use it for poor ways and in our sin, we can use it poorly, but I think a a lot of us should probably have a just more intentional engagement with social media. Mm -hmm. I think health comes from having an intentional relationship with things. I mean, it comes from having an intentional relationship with food. You can just start eating super unhealthily if you just ate what you wanted all the time. And I think what a lot of us don't, and I think, everyone listening would say, well, yeah, even if you're somebody who does that, like, yeah, man, I I like pizza too much. I need to eat like half the amount of pieces of pizza that I eat when I eat pizza. Okay, sure. great. We all recognize that. The problem is we don't really view social media the same way. We think we can kind of consume as much as we want and it won't affect us no, because it's true. not adding to a scale. It's not putting my blood pressure higher than it needs to be. Right, right. But what? because it's mental and spiritual, it's harder to measure. It's more abstract. And before we know it, we may find ourselves envying the lifestyle of our neighbor that we follow on Instagram. Whereas, you know, a year ago, when we weren't following that person, we would never consider whether or not the person had more money than we did, or if they got to go on more more vacations than we do. But now that we follow them on Instagram, you know, because they're our friend, why wouldn't we follow them on Instagram? Now we find ourselves, man, I really wish my husband or wife made more money so that we could go on vacations more. I wish I didn't have these darn kids so I could stop saving for college and we could have a nicer house. Or, you know, it's, it's just so much, just because we don't intentionally engage it's a lot easier for these things to creep in Mm -hmm. in a sort of sneaky way that we don't recognize and if we if we get to that point it becomes a lot harder to kind of like jack ourselves out of the matrix like it's, it's harder to unplug ourselves when we find ourselves so ingrained so if we can kind of keep one arm in social media and one arm out of social media and always be recognizing How these things are affecting our relationships with not only ourselves and and our loved ones, but our neighbors and communities, I think we'll have a little bit more measured of a relationship and if we treat social media a little bit more like mental junk food. Maybe we won't totally improve our relationship, but maybe we'll just have it a little bit more metered and a little bit more. cautionary than we typically do right
4: now. That's good. Okay. So then you're saying then my takeaway is then you're saying that, that social media in many ways is social junk food, right? Not a lot of meat, not a lot of vegetables or vitamins, not a lot of vitality. It's good. It's fun. It's not necessarily life affirming. You can fall into a darkness and spiritual holes. We all know about that, right? It's not necessary. If social media went away today, you would miss it, but it would not necessarily crush your life.
10: That's right. If, if, even if you like, like I help, I work for an organization that helps publish spiritual content on the internet. Yeah. But like, if, if my ability to do that went away tomorrow, my hope is, is that the thousands of people who come to our website every day would be able to go to their local church or their community group, or, or if they don't have one of those, find one of those and find the same exact helps to walk more closely with Jesus than there may be finding with us. Mm-hmm. I, I do think there is a sort of superfluous nature to what we're doing on social media and on the internet that if it all went away, it would be sad. And, and there would be some things that we would rightly grieve about that, but we would all still be able to glorify God and enjoy him forever in the lives that we've been called to live.
4: Amen. And amen. Chris, take a second. Talk to us about terms of service.
10: Yeah, I have a book. It's called terms of service came out this past February. Uh, it's, it's all about really the, this conversation has been a perfect encapsulation of that book. Um, our relationship with the internet, social media, and otherwise needs to be more intentional. And he, and, and I wrote about some ways that I think it may, maybe has affected us that we just don't realize. Um, and so, yeah, if you find it helpful, you can find it wherever you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever, wherever you'd like to buy books, terms of service by me, Chris Mark.
4: Very nice. Chris, always a pleasure. Thanks for stopping by. I appreciate the insight.
10: Thanks. Have a good
4: day. You as well. We'll take a quick break. We're just getting underway here. Hey, um, people are concerned about the polls. Have you ever considered about being a poll worker? We'll talk about that in a little bit.
11: A big family get together recently. There were four generations and a zillion people there. And I was sitting in the back corner of the room with grandpa. Ryan, he says, it seemed like yesterday this room was just me. The days are long, but the years are way too short. At United Faith Mortgage, the best part of my job is helping new home buyers, because I often get to hear about life's little things. My son saw the treehouse in the backyard, and we knew it was home. Or, this will be our first basement. We're going to make it an awesome game room. As the years fly by, way too short. I believe that God has given us these kind of little things in the middle of the chaos. It's simply our job to notice and appreciate them. If you happen to be thinking new home, I hope you'll consider us. We're committed to Word FM and one-on-one white glove service. And we also have this fancy direct lender advantage thing that can often save you money at UnitedFaithMortgage.com.
12: United Mortgage Court, Melbourne, New York. And I'm listener 1330.
4: That's the Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672. Hi, this is John Hall. You've all helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today. And I'm trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. On top of the special exclusively from my listeners on the Perkel and Giza Dream bed Sheets, marked down as low as $29.98, Mike is now changing the game with his three-piece towel set. The set is made with USA cotton, making it extremely absorbent, yet still providing that soft feel you look for in a towel. The set comes with one bath, one hand towel, one washcloth, typically retailing for $49.99. Now, for a limited time, you get this three-piece towel set for the low price of $19.98 with a promo code WORD. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. It's a limited supply, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-391-0954. Use the promo code WORD or go to MyPillow.com. Click on the radio listener square and use promo code WORD. These offers will not last long, so order now with promo code WORD at MyPillow.com for this radio-exclusive offer on all bedsheets.
13: Do you need new blinds or shades? Blindster.com offers custom-made blinds, shades, and shutters shipped directly to you at prices less than big box retailers. Blindster blinds are easy to install and guaranteed to fit. Don't overpay for new blinds. Shop today and save big. Blindster.com.
12: This is Tim Seckler inviting you to tune in each and every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life and Legacy Show, sponsored by my law firm, the Seckler Law Firm. Each week, we'll talk about your family's well-being as it relates to elder law, nursing home stays, estate planning, and keeping your hard-earned savings. And if you missed the Life & Legacy show, you will find it archived at secularlawfirm.com. See you Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on Word FM 101.5 for the Life & Legacy show
5: everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh at WordFM.com the WordFM mobile app iHeart, TuneIn and Odyssey.
1: Clear to partly cloudy skies for tonight. We'll see areas of fog late. Expect a low of 47. That fog will linger into tomorrow morning. Otherwise, we'll see sunshine giving way to a few clouds. We'll reach a high of 70. Considerable cloudiness for tomorrow night with a low of 49. Breezy and cooler Friday. Expect a morning shower in places, then a blend of sun and clouds for the afternoon. We'll reach a high Friday of 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
4: In our house, we have uh, adult children. Uh, they're away at college, but they are, they're registered to vote. And um, maybe five or seven years or so ago, uh, somebody moved into the neighborhood uh, who we uh, quickly found out because she was cool. Uh, she knocked on our, our door and she said, Hi, I'm your neighbor, and I also want you to know that I'm the uh, Democratic representative um, for polling matters here in this district (laughs) okay all right and uh we had a a nice conversation about the neighborhood and whatnot and then she said to me so i see that you have a split household and i said what do you mean she said well uh and and then i quickly realized she was referring to my kids oh they they don't uh they are not registered the way that you are registered which Surprised me that she knew that. Of course, we knew it because we know our, you know, they're kids and we talk about things, of course, politics, whatnot. So she knew, you know, you know, which way the household leans, which I guess is probably a matter of public record. If you're a polar now, she's, she's fine. Uh, uh, what's interesting is since a neighborhood has changed, or she's moved into the neighborhood, the neighborhood has changed because all of a sudden there are yard signs that are up constantly. Always. I mean, even in non-election years or it feels as though there's always some election signs out there. Anyway, I saw her recently and she said to me, hey, John, um, you know, um, I know that uh, there's a lot of rancor around, you know, uh, voting and whatnot. We could use your help. Why don't you become a poll worker on Election Day? Well, I think the, I think she said to me, the pay is somewhere between $150 to $175. Of course, you'd have to be there at 6 a.m. and be there until the poll closes, I think, at 9 p.m. It's a long day. Anyway, I'll pass. But it's interesting. I thought, well, that's an interesting concept. That if people are upset, and of course, that goes without saying, people are upset about the validity of what happens at polling stations, why not become a poll worker, right? Why not sort of see the machinations of the minute by minute? Now, this is how how it is in my neighborhood. I wonder if it is in your neighborhood. When I go to the polls, I I, I choose not to do a mail-in ballot, but when you go to the polls and you see the people who are working the polling stations, God bless them. These are very, very elderly people, very elderly. And I'm I'm grateful that they are there because if they weren't there, then the lines would be exceedingly long. Now, of course, we are you know in the midterms. People vote less in the midterms, so I can't imagine the voter turnout. What do you think the voter voter turnout is going to be for midterm elections? Who, who knows? But not not great, despite all the money that's being spent by all the candidates. Right. Anyway, my neighbor who's invested in politics here in the neighborhood. This is her life. Clearly, it's her life from the look of her yard and the signage and her involvement. She probably knows more people up and down the street than I do, and she's been there for a short amount of time because she's a grassroots person. So she challenges me to become a poll worker to ensure that what happens at the polls is authentic. I thought it interesting and curious, but I'm still not going to do it anyway. It's just a call to action. Maybe that would be you. Because as I came to air today, I thought, well, she's saying this. Are they still looking for poll workers? And if you typed in poll workers, Allegheny County, you would see that they still are. So just a heads up. Might be something to mull over and perhaps take a little civic action in your own life. Okay, we'll take a quick break. Come back. We're going to talk about St. Gregory of Armenia. Frederica Matthews Green goes there. 101.5
5: WORD.
6: We're wrapping up our study in the book of Ephesians this week. Find out how being united with Christ transforms our lives and gives us true and lasting peace. Then we'll begin our next series by taking a closer look at John the Baptist's powerful preaching. That's
1: on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. From Kingstone Studios. No
14: vacancies. An incredible true story comes to Salem now.
3: Now they want to purchase a motel and turn it into a shelter for homeless families.
14: A demoted journalist, a recovering addict, and a pastor fighting for the homeless find themselves at the end of hope.
1: I got 45 signatures right here, Mayor, against this proposal from my neighborhood! Let's stop this!
6: It's like the grapes of wrath.
1: Starring T.C. Stallings, Sean Young,
6: and Dean Kane. Feed the hungry and, and house the homeless. That's what we're supposed to do. It means you have tenants. I know. Um, You're going know to have them
0: leave today. Or I'm going to terminate your lease. You
3: didn't want to do this piece.
15: Well, things change. You have to run it tomorrow. No, not a chance. The
3: nicest thing anybody ever done for me. Streaming
14: now. Find it at SalemNow.com. Welcome to Hope. Celebrate fall during community market days at Bedner's Farm and Greenhouse. Every Saturday from 11 to 3, Bedner's has plenty to enjoy, including local goods and vendors, a food truck, live music, wine tastings, cooking and gardening workshops, DIY and kids activities, plus everything you need for your fall gardening and decor with fresh-cut pumpkins, gourds, corn stalks, mums, and lots more. Community Market Days, every Saturday at Bedner's Farm and Greenhouse in McDonald. Visit bednersgreenhouse.com.
8: At the Original Mattress Factory, quality is at the heart of everything we do. While mainstream mattress companies have decreased their quality to cut costs, OMF still hand-builds our mattresses and box springs to last. We build two-sided mattresses that can be flipped and rotated to improve long-term comfort and durability. We also build real flexing box springs that act as a shock absorber for the mattress. It's all designed with you in mind. Visit an OMF
14: location today to
8: see the original Mattress Factory difference for yourself.
14: What is a warrior? At Portersville Christian School, it's more than a team name. A warrior is taught to serve, to passionately model the love of Christ toward neighbor, community, and world to learn as they cultivate academic excellence and a lifelong love of learning from kindergarten to senior year and to lead through Christian character and integrity. Are you a warrior? Discover Portersville Christian School just 15 minutes north of Cranberry where warriors are made at ourpcs.org. Frederica Matthews Green
4: is back with us. Frederica has been a regular guest on our show over the years, and uh, she's the author of two books that we love. The uh, first one is where we were introduced to Frederica. It is called The Jesus Prayer, The Ancient Desert Prayer That Tunes the Heart to God, and also her latest, Welcome to the Orthodox Church, An Introduction to Eastern Christianity. And Frederica, welcome back. How are things?
15: Hi, John. back with you again. Always a pleasure. We're doing well, yes, heading into fall.
4: It's a beautiful time of year. It surely is. Yeah, Frederica. Mm -hmm. So the Orthodox Church, um, people who are not Orthodox would look at the Orthodox Church and go, uh, that is not my faith tradition. Um, I'm not quite sure what goes on there.
15: Yes, yes, that's very true. And um, what many people think is, they look at the church and they see uh, vestments, liturgy, and they assume that it's the same thing as the Catholic Church. But actually, Orthodox and Catholics split about a thousand years before, um, before now, about 500 years before the um, the Reformation. So uh, over some of the same issues, really. And we Orthodox claim that we hold the original interpretation of the scriptures, that therefore it's better than any later interpretation. One of the things that we treasure is the, the lives and stories of so many heroes of the faith in the first few centuries, hmm. that be, because they're not our, um, our Western or an American experience, these aren't names that we know as many uh, heroes as there are today, and they'll continue to be. I was hoping today I could talk about a man named Gregory, who was the evangelizer of Armenia back in the 300s, so we're going a long way back. A long way back, Yeah. <laughs> So it's a a story that should be made into a movie because it's got so many twists and turns and unexpected parts to it. But it will begin even before our Gregory was born, back in the 200s, when the Persian king was battling against the Armenian king. And he decided what he wanted to do was get an assassin into the palace. Hmm. So he began looking for somebody, asking, is there anybody that will get inside the palace and kill the Armenian king? And the uh, um, very treacherous man stepped forward and said, I'll do it, and he'll take me in because I'm one of his relatives. So he will trust me, and then when I'm alone with him sometime, I will kill him. And that's, yeah, that's exactly what he did. He returned to the kingdom of Armenia. His his brother embraced him, made him part of the household, and then, at an opportune moment, uh, the assassin killed the king who was so trusting. But as the king died, he said, "Kill them all! Kill all of the members of this man's family! Kill them all! All the relatives, men, women, children." And there was only one child that survived and that is our Gregory. He was just a baby then, and he was carried away to what is modern-day Turkey, to the region called Caesarea of Cappadocia. And he was raised in a Christian family. Gregory was the one person to survive out of that that whole family. But then when the Persian king heard that the king of Armenia was dead, um, he marched in, and he killed all the rest of the survivors of the Armenian king. Men, women, children, and only one child survived. It's like this parallel story. Yeah. Um, one son of the Armenian king, his name was Tiridates. And Tiridates was growing up in Rome at the same time that Gregory was growing up in a Christian household. Tiridates was raised in paganism. This is the late 200s, leading up into the 300s. So when, when Gregory grew up, when he was a young man, somehow he learned this story. He learned that his father had killed, had treacherously killed, his own relative, the king of Armenia. And he prayed about this, and he, he suffered over it inside. And he decided what he would do is that he would go to the capital of Armenia and go to King Tiridates and not say anything about the the past, but say, here I am. I want to be your servant. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. And that's how he would make up the um, the treacherous assassination of Pterodotty's father. Wonderful. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So Pterodotty's uh, was, um, uh, among all his other uh, um, attributes, he was very strong. He was a real Samson. And uh, there's stories of he arrived at a city in the middle of the night and had no hay for his horses, so he climbed over the wall and threw back armloads of hay. And then he said, "Well, there's a donkey. I can use a donkey." and So he carried the donkey up and lowered it to the other side what? of the of the wall as well. I know. So he was a very big, very strong man. This Tiridates, the the pagan king of Armenia. So um, Gregory, in humility, accompanied Tiridates everywhere and did everything he could to serve him, and they actually became very close. Tiridatis became very, very fond of him. But one day, Tiridates said, today I want to worship the goddess. I want you to take this offering, go to her temple, and offer it to her. And this was, you know, the first time that i actually came up, and Gregory said, well, I can't do that. I'm, I'm a Christian, and I cannot carry an offering to a goddess. And Pyrrhodes was really confused, and he said, Gregory, you've always done anything I asked you to do. You were always happy to serve me. This is no big deal. Why are you causing a problem about this? And uh, Gregory said, you know, these, these gods that you worship, they don't really exist. And if you keep on worshiping them, your mind is going to become deranged. And that turned out to be a prophecy. So uh, Therudathis flew into a rage. He had Gregory tortured. Every week he brought him back to see if he changed his mind. But as soon as Gregory came into the king's presence, he would just start preaching the gospel and trying all over again to convert him to the Christian faith. So here's where there came quite a dramatic turn in the story. One of the members of the court realized who Gregory was, and he said to Tiridates, You know, Gregory is the son of the man who killed your father. And then, you know, all heck broke loose, so to speak. Pyrrhodes was totally enraged at that point. And he ordered Gregory to be thrown down into the cesspool. This was a huge pit that ran underneath the capital city, and there was a big hole in the ground. And that's where people threw dead animals and their sewage and everything that dropped down into this enormous cavern under the earth. It was completely dark and smelled very, very terrible, as you can imagine. So Gregory was thrown down there. Mm-hmm. And that ought to be the end of the story. But Gregory survived there for 13 years, mm-hmm. just barely clinging onto life. And what kept him alive was that there was a widow in the city who was very devout and prayerful. And one day, she felt God say to her while she was praying, I want you to bake a loaf of bread every day and go throw it in the pit. Mm-hmm. And, she, you know, she might well have said, Well, I've always done your will, Lord. I'm happy to do that. But couldn't I just give the, the loaf of bread to the poor? You know, couldn't I do something else with it? It did not make any sense to throw it in a pit. But God didn't tell her any more in the story. It was um, bake this loaf of bread every day, throw it in, the, and and that's what happened. So he was able to survive for 13 years just because of the bread that this this widow woman, this Christian widow, kept throwing down to him every day, not even knowing why she was doing it, why that was God's will.
4: That's fabulous. The story of Saint Gregory of Armenia, Frederica, I, I love the story. Uh, Thanks, as always, for being with us. It's always interesting to hear the stories of the the saints and the work that they do and to, to think how they intersect with us, their discipleship, their ability to be what prevalent and engaging in our lives here in the 21st century. Frederica Matthews Green.
13: Have you noticed homes for sale in your neighborhood staying on the market longer? Even with price drops, the homes still sit. That's because the market has taken a turn for the worse and the feds kept raising rates. You've seen this movie before and unfortunately, the next step could be a decrease in home values. Do you still have equity in your home? If so, and you're thinking of taking cash out of your home's equity, do it now. Get the cash you need now. Call Cash Call Mortgage today and get your cash out refi done fast. You can start your application online at cashcallmortgage.com or call now. Call 800-931-6651. That's 800-931-6651. 800-931-6651.
12: Cash Call Mortgage is a DBA of Impact Mortgage Corp. NMLS ID 128231. Not all applicants will qualify. Equal housing lender. Licensed by California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation. Residential Mortgage Lending Act. License number 4131083. Not licensed in all states, including New York. You know, a lot of times you have to
3: choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge, but it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network, so... Yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want to plan. and you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. What if I told
6: you you can save a baby's life for just $28? Well, it's true. Preborn is a ministry doing just that with the help of people like you by offering free ultrasound sessions to pregnant girls and women who otherwise might choose to end their pregnancy. We know that pregnant girls and women who can see their babies on ultrasound are far more likely to choose life. Your gift today can save babies' lives. Just $28 can give a mother the chance to see the truth of the baby that is growing inside her. $140 can do this for five girls and women. Whether you want to save one baby or five or hundreds, that opportunity is just a click or phone call away. Call 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or click on the preborn banner at wordfm.com.
4: The ruling class, right? I mean, we're all caught up in election fervor, politics. I think our country's become so politicized in the past 20 years, more than ever. So I saw something the other day about um, a Democrat, U.S. Representative Abigail Spanberger. Now, he, he, this is true, that we elect people into office, especially at the national levels, And they go in at one income level, and then all of a sudden, over years, and then, of course, for the lifers who are holding power, decades, they become multi, multi, multi multi-millionaires. This is a known fact. You see this happen all the time. I mean, how does this – anyway – Representative Abigail Spanberger released a following statement. She said this, Our job as elected officials is to serve the people, not ourselves. That's why I've been proud to lead the charge on legislation to ban members of Congress and their immediate families from trading individual stocks, not only because it's the right thing to do, but because the Virginians I represent overwhelmingly support it and want us to get it done. Since the early days of the pandemic, the statement says, I've worked with lawmakers from both parties and across the ideological spectrum to earn support from my bipartisan bill, the Trust in Congress Act, to require individual stock holdings be divested or placed in a qualified blind trust while in office. Our common sense proposal demonstrated that many Democrats and Republicans alike take this issue seriously and are listening to the voices of the people. For months, momentum grew in both the United States House and the U.S. Senate to finally take a step towards prohibiting members of Congress from day trading while on the job. We saw remarkable progress towards rectifying glaring examples of conflicts of interest. And after first signaling her opposition to these reforms... The Speaker purportedly reversed her position. However, our bipartisan reform coalition was then subjected to repeated delay tactics, hand-waving gestures, and blatant instances of Lucy pulling the football. It's a remarkable a statement from um, this representative, U.S. Representative Abigail Spanberger, who, in this statement, it's scathing. She crushes Democrats and Republicans for their greed and duplicitous behavior who's saying that we are of the people, by the people, for the people, that they represent us to provide laws and a path forward for this country to thrive at the same time while in office using insider information, enriching themselves, enriching themselves. You get voted into office and it's a meal ticket to a multi-million dollar lifestyle. So again, like term limits, right? People talk out of both sides of their mouths before they get elected. Yeah, we should have term limits. We should do this because this makes sense. And then they get in and they go, yeah, this is too too messy because we need sort of the long view of politics, of legislation, branches, of lawmakers to ensure that the long view continues because if we would turn this over ever so quickly every few years, then it'd be a muddled mess. And of course, it's the same way with this. People are getting rich in office, and the ruling class, that is not a good thing. It is not a good thing. Not a good thing for our country. How is it that people get wealthy in office? Because they're dealing with lobbyists, people who have information that you and I don't have access to, and so their spouses, they're trading on their behalves, or relatives, right? Children, cousins, uncles, aunts, everybody's in on the scoop, excepting you and I. I don't know. Doesn't it feel like oftentimes, doesn't it feel? This is true. I think this is why people are just so upset because it feels as though everything is rigged. Everything's against the common guy. Just people just trying to get by in their lives. And you think, how can they be? How can they do this? Thank God for God. Uh, Is this you? Oftentimes I find myself... In such despair at the state of my own self, my own blackness, my own soul. And then, of course, I amplify that out to a broader a broader sense of where the world is and go, what a mess. Thank God that Christ is in our lives. Because we are all so duplicitous, are we not? Striving for what our little piece of the kingdom we can grab at all costs. We're just so black. The world is so topsy-turvy. I mean, if Christ had not entered in this world, can you imagine left to our own devices for people who don't know Jesus and even those those of us who do, we know Jesus and still we lean into the darkness, lean into the sickness of this world. That's my rant for the day. Anyway, thanks for being with us. This is Pittsburgh's Christian Talk. We're going to come back and during the five o'clock hour, Kath is off today, but uh, Dean Weaver is with us. I think for many, many years, Uh, Dean uh, actually was the pastor at Cass Childhood Church. He's going to provide us some insight there. And uh, then a little bit later on in the hour, we're going to talk to Kurt Bjorklund from Orchard Hill about what your pastor needs now. It's the Pastor Hour next here on The Riot Home. Stay with us. 1.5
5: 1.5 W O R D F M Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart Tune In and Odyssey Use discount code
9: ERIC.
6: With SR News, I'm John Scott. President Biden says he's putting politics on mute for now to focus on those in need in and around Fort Myers. As he visits the hurricane ravaged area, FEMA Administrator Dean Criswell says building parts of Florida will be expensive.
16: They
13: are just beginning the assessments of what the actual extent of damages to the infrastructure. Oh, uh, it's going to be in the billions. Uh, how many billions? I don't know yet. Perhaps one of the more costly disasters oh, that we've seen um, in many years.
6: Three scientists jointly awarded this year's Nobel Prize in chemistry for developing a way of snapping molecules together that can be used to design better medicines. Americans Carolyn Arbatozzi and K. Barry Sharpless and Danish scientist Morton Maldo were honored. On Wall Street, the Dow is now up 14 points, but the NASDAQ down 36.
2: This is S R N U. Charlie Dombeck here from Key City Capital. As a practicing CPA for nearly 30 years, I have found that 80% of your ability to grow your wealth is dependent upon two factors, taxes and investment performance. At Key City Capital, we improve investment performance by diversifying capital into off-market investment opportunities in passive rental real estate and alternatives like asset-backed lending. We recover dollars that clients unnecessarily pay in the form of income taxes, creating a lifetime annuity of savings. We are a sponsor of passive, affordable, single and multifamily residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt, landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at com or give me a call at 817-912-1569. Do you know how much you're really paying for life insurance through work? I can almost guarantee you're overpaying for
12: limited coverage. I'm Joel Clark, a select quote agent for over 20 years. My clients are shocked to learn how expensive life insurance at work really is because of a rate that's driven up by unhealthy people. Why pay more when you don't have to? For over 35 years, SelectQuote has helped people save 50% or more by shopping highly rated insurance carriers. I found a 40-year-old man with high blood pressure a $500,000 policy for only $18 a month. Don't procrastinate. Workplace Open Enrollment will be here soon. Let SelectQuote save you money and get you the coverage you need to protect your family.
6: For your free quote in just minutes, call 1-800-865-2266. That's 1-800-865-2266. 1-800-865-2266 or go to selectquote.com.
12: Full details on example policy and carrier ratings at selectquote.com/commercials. Price could vary by health issuing company and other factors not available in all states.
7: Bachman's Roofing and Solar is your local award-winning roofer. Stop waiting. It's time to inspect your roof and protect your home's number one asset. With no interest and no payment financing for 12 months, Bachman's Roofing is your easy choice for roofing, gutters, and solar. Did you know Bachman's Roofing is one of the number one GAF solar integrated roofing installers in the USA? Go with Bachman's. Go with solar and install the roof that pays for itself. Call 412-744-8390 or visit Bachman'sRoofing.com.
6: When we think of those in ministry, we often think of our pastor or our church elder. But there's another person whose role is essential. It's the wife of the pastor or elder. Women who serve alongside their husbands also experience the challenges, joys, and disappointments that are part of the job. The book Partners in the Gospel offers a daily dose of encouragement. Request your copy
1: at truthforlife.org. donate Clear to partly cloudy skies for tonight. We'll see areas of fog late. Expect a low of 47. That fog will linger into tomorrow morning. Otherwise, we'll see sunshine giving way to a few clouds. We'll reach a high of 70. Considerable cloudiness for tomorrow night with a low of 49. Breezy and cooler Friday. Expect a morning shower in places, then a blend of sun and clouds for the afternoon. We'll reach a high Friday of 54. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon.
3: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And
4: now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along today. A gorgeous Wednesday afternoon here in the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, Kath is off today, and uh, I'll be with you here for this uh, entirety of the 5 o'clock hour. But um, you ever get blue? You find yourself, you know, for no sort of discernible reason... This happens to me, uh, I think, often more often than, than I care, quite honestly. That something just kind of comes over you, and, and you know what that's like, right? It's it's the blahs or or, or it's just blue, right? I, I wouldn't call it depression. I think of depression as a whole other matter, where you know it's longer, deeper, darker, right? Um, the blues they they come and go. Hopefully, uh, you know a few hours, a day or so, and, and then, you know, something changes, and then they pass. Anyway, I was, I was feeling kind of blue today. <laughs> I was feeling kind of blue today, and uh, I thought, I'm going to call one of my kids. I'll make you feel good. And so uh, I got on the phone and called one of my boys, and uh, he told me a very funny story, which made me laugh about his travails, you know, and uh, we both had a good chuckle and uh, continued on with the conversation. I got on the phone, and I thought, oh. You feel better, you know, children are such a blessing, aren't they? They just uh, oftentimes it's a burden, right? It's very difficult to have children and certainly it's expensive. But boy, I love it so much. I love being a dad. And uh, it was really uh, sort of center stage today after I got off that phone call. But, you know, uh, think about depression and the blues and, you know, the temptation, I think is to situate depression in one place right as if you know the the roots of depression somehow are singular and, and not varied right but scripture if you look at scripture doesn't let let us do that i mean david david got depressed because he was slow to confess his love to god his lust to god and to keep it to himself hannah she she got depressed because it seemed like she was the only one of her friends who couldn't get pregnant Elijah got depressed because he wanted to kill himself because he felt like such a failure. He couldn't bear the burden uh, of life anymore. And I think the scripture is very clear, right, that when we get depressed, it's much less clear on exactly why we get depressed. Or perhaps it would be better to say that in scripture, there's a, a diversity of reasons of why people get depressed. Sometimes it seems it's like it's um, more spiritually related, like in David's case, obviously, other times it seems to be rooted in crushing disappointment and circumstances, like in Hannah's case. Sometimes it seems it gets so bad that we can't bear the thought of having to live another day, like in Elisha's case. And, and I think most of us, in one form or another, have been there. Uh, Spurgeon, he himself wrestled, Charles Spurgeon wrestled uh, throughout his life with depression, which is shocking, right? When you. When you read upmost from my highest, I mean, you think this guy that one of the giants, but it's true. He did. He suffered with depression and he described it. Well, he said this causeless depression cannot be reasoned with nor can David's harp charm it away by sweet discouragings, as well. Fight with the mist as with this shapeless, undefinable, yet all beclouding hopelessness. The iron bolt, which so mysteriously fastens the door of hope and holds our spirits in gloomy prison, needs a heavenly hand to push it back. Isn't that beautiful? Holds our spirits in a gloomy prison, needs a heavenly hand to push it back. He had a category for what he called causeless depression, depression that shows up through no fault of its own. So, I don't know about you, but I, whether it's the, you know, the, just sort of the malady of the blues, like I suffered through for an hour or so earlier today, or it's people, and you know, people, it might be you, you go through, I've got, you go through these periods, these eras of long, long term depression. And thankfully, you know, there's, you know, there's therapy, there's medication, there's all those things that, you know, help to sort of kick-start us out of it. Certainly there's prayer. But if people like Charles Spurgeon, I mean, Mother Teresa, uh, was known to suffer bouts of depression, if it can happen to them, these saints who walk among us, then certainly we are not immune to that. And it's just one of the maladies of being alive, right? It's not... Uh, I think that uh, when we, we get to heaven, there's no depression in heaven. There's no doubt about that, right? Life is strange and beautiful and wonderful. It's all those things. Let us take a quick break. We're going to step away. Dean Weaver is going to be with us. And uh, Dean, uh, who used to be the pastor at Memorial Park, and now he's um, he's on to uh, denominational affairs. We'll talk about some things ahead, which may include Depression.
5: 101.5 WORD. Dr. Michael Usak. If doubt is not dealt with immediately,
0: it can cause you self condemnation and it can cause you depression. It can make you cynical and it can make you critical. And that is why the Apostle John gives us ways by which we must deal with doubt
5: as soon as it shows its ugly head. Learn more this week
7: on leading the way tomorrow morning at six 30 on one hundred one point W O R D.
11: My nephew is obsessed with treasure hunting. We watched that national treasure movie where the hero solves all the ridiculous puzzles on his way to finding treasure. And ever since he's been hiding painted rocks in the backyard and making treasure maps in the movie. The hero has to find a clue inside a glacier, steal the declaration of independence and outsmart the FBI. But for you, You happen to be living in a moment arguably unlike any other, where your home went and grew hidden treasure on its own over the last few years. Home values have gone nuts, leaving most of us with a significant opportunity to do a cash-out refinance and to use that newfound treasure for life. Many use it for credit card or high-interest debt or to just help with a difficult financial time. Many others use it for home projects, vacations, or treasure-hunting gear. If you're curious what's hiding in your home,
8: we are United, United Faith Mortgage.
11: United Mortgage Corp. of New York. And number 1330. That's the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Mortgage Lender License 22672.
13: Do you have a passion for helping others? Turn it into a rewarding career at Life Steps. Life Steps is hiring caring people to make a difference in the lives of individuals with disabilities. Full-time and part-time positions available with opportunities close to home. No degree or experience necessary. Life Steps offers flexible schedules, paid training, and generous benefits. Make a difference today. Call 724-283-1010 or visit lifesteps.net. Life Steps is an equal opportunity employer. Hearth
14: and Home Furnishings in Zillianople offers plenty of ways to get cozy this fall. Bring beauty, value, and warmth to your home with their wide selection of American-made gas, electric, and wood-burning fireplaces. Or choose the authentic rustic charm of a gas or wood-burning stove or insert. And their realistic vented gas logs allow you to set the mood without the mess. Relax and get comfortable with Hearth and Home Furnishings in Zillianople at hearthandhomepa.com.
5: Marketing your business is hard. It's so competitive, and getting new customers is as hard as keeping your existing ones. We know it because we're a local business, too. So when it comes to marketing your business and getting new customers, we know how to do it. Our digital marketing firm, Salem Surround, is built to create customized solutions to your business not your competitors, just you. Reach out to us at salemsaround.com and we'll work with you to create those solutions that will increase your business and bring you new customers. salemsaround.com
4: Dean Weaver's with us. Dean is the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, late of Memorial Park, a co-founder, former president of EduNations. Dean, friend, welcome back. How are you?
16: Thanks, Burr. Good to be with you. Yeah. Always good to be with you. Sorry that, to, sorry that you're flying solo today.
4: Yeah. Uh, of course, you know, you're, you're used to your partner here by your side, and all of a sudden there's a void. You're kind of, you know, making it up as you go along, right? That's just how it is.
16: <laughs> well, I think it, it's it, we all know that Kathy's been carrying you all these years. Oh, of and course. It's going to be obvious. So. Uh, 100%. I'll, I'll, I'll help out any way I can. <laughs>
4: okay. Now, wait. Now, uh, you uh, were the Lee pastor of Memorial Park for many a year, and, and I know that uh, Kath, um, she, that was her sort of home church, right? That's where she was baptized. Were you at Memorial Park when Kath was there?
16: <laughs> I, w- I was not, but I had the delight of caring for her mother for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I will confess she has a little bit of a home court advantage with me.
12: She does have
4: a little bit of a home court, yeah. Can you give us any insight into her?
16: Uh, nothing that would be appropriate for the radio. What
4: are you talking about? Seriously? No, I know Kath. She's a good, she's a good person.
16: Well, so, oh, you want to talk about good or do you want to talk about holy?
4: Oh, oh, that's a distinction, isn't it? I did talk about that at the top of the four o'clock hour a little bit. Okay. So then go into this. You're the pastor. Uh, we were having this conversation just like we just had someone said, Oh, that's a good guy. He's a good guy. And, you know, you know, a lot of good guys, but do you know, holy guys?
16: (laughs) So, you know, this is an old question, John. I mean, it goes, uh, you know, I think it goes all the way back to, um, I think of Luke 18 when Jesus is approached by some people who say, you know, good teacher. And he kind of stops them there and says, uh, why do you call me good uh, only god is good and i think uh, you know that question of good or goodness really points to who determines what is good so if i say you know i think you know john is a is a good guy well based on what based on on my assessment of goodness which, of course, I do think you're a good guy. So, But, but, but that's based on my assessment of goodness. And as you know, you know, you could be talking to someone else who has a whole different value system. And so what they think is good is different than what I think is good. And so saying someone is good ends up being really quite subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jesus sort of points people back and says, ultimately... Um, the only objective source of goodness is God. Only God is really good. And so if that becomes our standard, then we start looking at a kind of goodness that is really reflection of God's character. And now we're talking a little bit more about holiness. What does it mean that we are set apart uh, for his purposes based on his character in his goodness, not, not, not just a a subjective view of goodness.
4: So then Dean, if, if only God is good, then is only God holy?
16: Well, only God is, is, is completely pure and holy. Um, But obviously as God's spirit dwells in all of us, um, there's that, that work called sanctification where, you know, his spirit is, is continually pruning and refining uh, us so that we become increasingly more like him, which means there is there is holiness in us and we're becoming more holy, but we're not uh, yet holy the way he is holy, although that's his call to us. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. So it's, a, it, it, it's something where the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God, is working in us to make us more like Jesus. And that is, uh, you know, what we classically call sanctification. So uh, there's no one who is completely holy but God. And yet we're all, uh, if the Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, we're all in the process of becoming more like him.
4: So then I'm, I'm splitting hairs here then. So if only God is good, then we are neither good, but we can perhaps strive to be holy.
16: Well, and there are elements of goodness in us. Right. Uh, I mean, so because God is good, and, and, and this thing called uh, you know common grace, John, where you know even a person who doesn't know the Lord and is a you know a, a flat out pagan, they're still made in God's image, yeah. right? And and that person is capable of producing art and literature and beauty. and uh, scientific advancements and, and things of beauty, and so there's still a, a goodness. Uh, being in the Imago Dei that that person can demonstrate. Um, But but again, there's a certain subjectivity to that. So, you know, you get a person who does something that is altruistic. You know, they do a a good deed, if you will. And it's a good deed. But is their motive uh, have any kind of um, uh, self-serving purposes? In other words, the strings attached. I did this good deed so that... You know, you will see me a certain way or do something for me or leverage something on my behalf. Or did I do it from a place of complete you know, self-sacrifice? I mean, there's all kind of complexity. So th- there is goodness uh, in-, in each of us, uh, but we are not innately good. Since Adam and Eve's uh, disobedience in the Garden of Eden, unfortunately, the curse of sin is across all of the creation, and we see, for example, the classic verse in Romans 3, where Paul reminds us everyone is sinned and falls short of the glory of God. From the time of Adam and Eve on, uh, we all are uh, in that sin state. And at the same time, God, who alone is completely and holy and good, um, has given us in his image um, some goodness that we can bring into the creation that is sometimes this common grace— but for those of us who, uh, by His grace, have had our eyes open to see who He is and be in a relationship with Him, well, then we have the opportunity to cooperate and become uh, holy as the Spirit works within us and do good things that flow out of this kind of um, a grace-filled life that God has blessed us with by His Spirit. Yes,
4: mm-hmm. grace-filled life. It, it's its its awfully complex, isn't it, Dean? And, and, of course, we won't know until we get to heaven but you know you would imagine and you see you see this all the time you know the uh, the the uh, internet titans or the you know the massive philanthropists uh, bill gates you know um bill and melinda gates and, and their foundation and the and the millions if not a billion dollars that they've given away for good things now they could do good works but they may not proclaim Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. At the same time, someone in the church who does proclaim Jesus as their Lord and Savior is not able or willing to do the good works that the the gates have been able to do in that massive philanthropy. But then at that defining moment of judgment, will the Gateses somehow be excluded because they did not proclaim Christ as their Lord and Savior, even though they did good works?
16: and therein lies kind of the crutch of the argument, John. That that our salvation and whether or not you know God uh, um, is is pleased with us has nothing to do with what we have done or yeah. not done, yes. or with our goodness or not goodness. And thank God for that. Yes. Um, so you know, if it were a matter of goodness, then you know the the really. Uh, good people by this world standards, maybe even the wealthy people who do good things by by this world standards, mm-hmm. maybe they have an, a leg up on the rest of us. Uh, but but ultimately, it comes down to this: um, either we understand ourselves to be God and therefore the source of what we understand to be goodness, or God is God and alone is good. And if He alone is good, then there is nothing that we can do to merit being good enough to uh, warrant our admission to heaven. So it's not about being good. Um, It's about God's goodness uh, in Christ now saving us and dwelling within us and making us to be more like him. And so, uh, you know, it's, the idea that now I was watching, uh, this is a horrible self-admission because you're probably going to get all kinds of comments about why would you have this guy in your show if he watches this. But I was watching an episode of The Sopranos recently. Oh, yeah. Where, where Tony Soprano is talking with his psychiatrist, and, and she asks him basically if he thinks he's going to heaven. Um, and, and he basically says yes. He thinks he's going to heaven. He's not going to hell. And she says, why? He says, because hell is for the really bad guys. <laughs> and she says, well, What are you, Tony? You're the head of the mafia. Like, who? If yeah. you're not a really bad guy, who's a really bad guy? He's like, well, you know, for Hitler and Mussolini and those those guys. But So, in other words, there's like, you know, in the history of humanity, there's like 20 people in hell, but everybody else <laughs> is in heaven, right? Because they're not that bad. But yeah. the, the, the funny thing about that is, is that what Tony Soprano does is actually what we all do. We all kind of say, "Well, I'm not as bad as that guy." Yeah, right. Like right? I'm that guy is really bad. I'm I'm maybe not great, but I'm good by comparison. And when you do that, you're really committing the original sin of Adam, uh, which is desiring to be like God. Um, you've decided what is good and not good. And so in, in Luke 18, when Jesus says, why do you call me good? He's trying to get them to dethrone themselves from being their own gods and determining what is good because uh, admission to heaven has nothing to do with our goodness. i
4: to that. I mean, but at the same time, Dean, I don't know if, if you get this way, but I get this way when I think about me standing before God, <laughs> I get scared. I, and it, even though I, I love God and I want to be want to be in heaven with God and I know that I'm saved by grace, me feebly trying to explain my sinfulness before God, um, it really uh, makes me anxious.
16: Well, you know, so the most terrifying thing I can imagine, John, is this, and you've heard this in some sermons, right, where the person says, imagine that you're standing before God in this judgment day, and there's a screen up in front of you, yeah. and they're going to put up uh, all the scenes of oh your life, my gosh. and and that terrifies you, yes. right? That's the just worst. The you don't want to have any thought bubbles going up above my head where you can see my thoughts. Um, that would just be an, a horrible, horrible thing to imagine. And, and what I, what I understand, if you were to play that kind of, uh, scenario out a little bit further is that I imagine, you know, we end up before the Lord. Um, I, I suspect that we fall into his arms and he embraces us. And then when we realize where we are and who we're with, um, like Moses, we fall down on our knees and we bow our heads and just understand, I am not worthy. And then someone says, oh, again, there's this screen here, and we're going to play all of the acts that you have done in your life. And I go, oh, no, please don't, please don't do God. that. This is mortifying. This is horrible. And and then someone kind of taps me on the shoulder, and I look up, and it's Jesus who points to the screen. And the only thing playing on the screen is Jesus on the cross. And all of my sins have been covered by that, and the rest have been wiped away. And it's not because I've done anything good or bad. It's because of what he did on the cross alone is good.
4: Amen. But, Dean, at the same time, there are people in this world who still think, well, you know, I'm, I'm good enough, right? I'm going to go to heaven. So, uh, that again, it, w- there's that dividing line between people who, who, who call out the name of Jesus and Tony Soprano who goes, yeah, I may be the head of the mafia, but I'm not that bad, so I'll see you in heaven.
16: Right. Well, and that's classically understood as works righteousness, right? And that is to say, can I do enough good things to merit, um, you know, a place in heaven in God's favor? And the scripture is just abundantly clear throughout the course of that, that we are saved by, by grace through faith. And so it's not anything that we have done lest we could boast. I mean, the Bible is abundantly clear on that text after text after text. And yet, at the same time, I think because it is the original sin of, of Adam, um, you know, and it, it go, for example, a little bit further into Exodus and the Ten Commandments. The bottom line is we've all broken the first commandment, which means we've broken all the other nine. You know, like because if you if you have another God besides the one true God, then all of the other nine immediately uh, are out of alignment and you break them all. So the bottom line is we have made ourselves to be God. And so people who say, I'm good enough, or if I'm better than that person, that, that's all the sin of Adam. That is all basically, you know, you saying, I desire to be like God, have determined what is good and what is not good. And that's, you know, that's purely subjective in the scripture in no way says that is what is pleasing to him. What is pleasing to God is what Jesus did on the cross. And he imputes that righteousness to us so that the goodness that God sees in us didn't come from us, but it came from his son, Jesus. Amen and amen.
4: Dean Weaver on what is good and holy. Hey, Dean, um, uh, Evangelical Presbyterian Church, before you leave us, I I know that uh, you're, you're not here in Pittsburgh right now. You're in Texas. What's going on?
16: Well, the the Presbyterian Church divides itself, John, into what are called presbyteries, kind of regional governing bodies. And our presbytery out in the West is having a retreat with all of our pastors at Enoch Stomp Winery um, outside of Longview, Texas. Very nice. And we're actually studying John 15— which is Jesus is the vine, and we're the branches, and are abiding in him. We're studying John 15 at a winery. I love How it. Like that?
4: That's very, very good. I mean, so what's the temperature? I mean, are, are, you know, we talk about this often, that pastors are just, you know, exhausted, fed up, discouraged. Do you find that?
16: Oh, my gosh, yes. Yeah, I mean, the Barnes stats are, are putting it at 42%, where 42% of the full-time employed pastors right now are, Are seriously thinking about hanging it up. Um, And and I would say in my experience as I talk with pastors around the country, I think that statistic is right. Um, I think, you know, we were trending that way before the pandemic. Uh, The pandemic accelerated that. And, you know, those of us who care for the larger church are trying to pay attention to how we can particularly care for our pastors, Um, because you, you can't have a church that's transformed. If the pastors not transformed, yeah. and 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 so we have got to do a better job of caring for our pastors. And retreats like the one where I am right now are a huge part of that. And uh, for the last uh, two years, we've been paying a lot of attention to retreats like this and providing you know spiritual, physical, emotional kind of well being uh, kind of things for our for our pastors and it makes a huge
4: difference. Yes, from your lips to God's ears. Dean, thank you. And, and thank you for the work uh, on behalf of anyone who, who loves and needs a pastor in their life. We want pastors to stick around. We need the pastors.
16: Yep, amen, brother, amen. Been a delight to be with you and look forward to it again. Always a great pleasure,
4: Dean. Thank you so much. Dean Weaver, the stated clerk of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church here in the United States of America. We'll take a quick break, come back. we got much more. It's the right home. Pittsburgh's Christian talk here on 101.5 word FM. W.O.R.D. Nothing in this world beats real life experience. Now, of course, a lot of us have sent our kids to college. There's a lot of classroom work and theory and whatnot. But then hopefully there's a day where the rubber hits the road mm-hmm. and your kid goes out and spreads wings and becomes part of the real life environment of what it is to earn a living.
13: And prior to that the internship is what gets you ready, right? That's the time when you're like kind of in the work world, but not fully in the work world, right? And you're kind of trying to test your wings and ask the questions and
4: get some guidance
13: and maybe perform well enough that you could get somebody's attention later on and maybe get a job
4: right now at Grow City College. The opportunity for internships exists Mm -hmm. and people cement themselves inside of a a corporation. And once you graduate, then, I mean, the possibilities are endless on campus. People come to Grove City and go, we know the nature, the quality Mm -hmm. of these students. This is an A plus. We're invested in these students because we see what you produce. Count us in as corporate partners.
13: So if that sounds interesting to you or something that might be appealing and a great thing for your child to strive for, consider Grove City College. Look them up online, gcc.edu. That's Grove City College.
14: Celebrate fall during community market days at Bednar's Farming Greenhouse. Every Saturday from 11 to 3, Bedners has plenty to enjoy, including local goods and vendors, a food truck, live music, wine tastings, cooking and gardening workshops, DIY and kids activities, plus everything you need for your fall gardening and decor. With fresh cut pumpkins, gourds, corn stalks, mums and lots more. Community market days every Saturday at Bednar's Farming Greenhouse in McDonald. Visit bednersgreenhouse.com. All of us come from somewhere.
6: All of us have origin stories. From executive producer Larry Elder.
11: Divine Providence was clearly operating in the lives of black Americans. And director Justin Malone.
14: When I was growing up, we were never taught that America was bad. We were raised to love America.
6: Comes the continuation of their 2020 hit film, Uncle Tom. Uncle Tom Part 2, An American Odyssey. Available on Salem Now.
5: Listen on your smart speaker at WordFM.com. The WordFM app, iHeart TuneIn, and on Odyssey. In your car or at home too, at 101.5 W O R D F M
13: Pittsburgh. Thousands of young people are dying from counterfeit prescription drugs laced with lethal doses of fentanyl.
2: Never take a pill unless it comes from your pharmacist. We lost my 18-year-old son, who had a very bright future ahead of him, and it was stolen.
8: Just one counterfeit pill laced with fentanyl can kill. Visit OnePillKilled.org. OnePillKilled.org. OnePillKilled.org to learn more.
1: Clear to partly cloudy skies for tonight. We'll see areas of fog late. Expect a low of 47. That fog will linger into tomorrow morning. Otherwise, we'll see sunshine giving way to a few clouds. We'll reach a high of 70. Considerable cloudiness for tomorrow night with a low of 49 breezy and cooler Friday expect a morning shower in places then a blend of sun and clouds for the afternoon will reach a high Friday of 54. With your AccuWeather forecast I'm Drew Shannon.
4: In our house uh, I rely on my wife's nose to tell me um, with meat particularly is this edible Uh, you know she'll do the little sniff test she um my wife uh, is part of a farming family, so I, I think she's a little more generous than a lot of people. Sometimes I will go, oh, I'm not so sure about that. And she'll go, no, no, you're fine, you're fine. And apparently it's, it's, it's been fine because I've I'm not yet passed away from uh, food poisoning. But but I say all that because um, there's something on, on food packaging, uh, best before labels, which apparently has uh, come under scrutiny. Because manufacturers have used this label for decades to estimate what they call uh, peak freshness. And um, unlike used by labels, which are found on perishable foods like milk or or meat, labels, uh, those best before labels, have nothing to do with safety. And they may encourage consumers to throw away food that's perfectly fine to eat. Uh, Do you know that uh, the United States, uh, the United Nations estimates that 17 percent of global food production is wasted each year? And most of it comes from us households in the United States, Uh, because we uh, raising our hand, we here in these 50 states, uh, we throw away uh, upwards of 40 percent of our food. It goes uneaten because we. What we, we let it sit in the, in the crisper or we just, we forget about it or we, we buy it. and we're not interested in 40%, 40% of the food that we buy, we throw in the, in the dumpster or, you know, it's, it's been said of course, that your, your, um, your food waste, uh, you know, the garbage can eats better than millions and millions of people around the world. I don't know. Yeah. I think this started a long time ago, right? I think corporations get anxious about lawsuits. I think this has to go back to legalities, right? So the the lawyers all got together in rooms and said, yeah, if we put this date on it, then we'll ensure and that way no one's going to get sick. So we have some you know, sort of legal leg to stand on. I believe that that's probably most of what's happening here. And of course, we get spoiled. So, you know, no one wants an imperfect tomato or avocado. Right. So the imperfect foods get pushed away. They go into the dumpster. And before you know it, it adds up to that 40 percent or more. I don't know. I think it's just what it is to be alive in America that we, you know, we get spoiled. Maybe we have to sort of adjust our, our idea of what, you know, healthy food is and want to hang in there. They should just make my wife go up and down the aisles and say, you're OK. You're not going to die. You should just eat this and everything's going to be OK. Uh, it's helped me. Anyway, we'll take a quick break, come back. We we talked to one pastor about goodness and holiness. Pastor Kurt Bjorklund from Orchard Hill, What Your Pastor Needs Now. That's next on the right home.
5: 101.5 W O R D.
3: In his brand new series called Clinging to Hope, Chuck Swindoll helps us understand how to respond when our bodies fail us. Are any of you
0: sick? What do you do? If you're going to think biblically, let's let the Bible give us instruction on what to do.
3: Don't miss the helpful messages coming ahead this week on Insight for Living.
12: Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD.
6: Today, we have saved our clients an average of $65,000 in lifetime payments. Imagine putting those timeshare dollars back in your pocket. Give my office a call today. I guarantee if we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or
12: you'll pay nothing. Call Wesley Financial now for your free information kit. 800-969-1199. That's 800-969-1199. 800-969-1199. Wesley Financial Group is not a law firm. What if
6: I told you you can save a baby's life for just $28? Well, it's true. Preborn is a ministry doing just that with the help of people like you by offering free ultrasound sessions to pregnant girls and women who otherwise might choose to end their pregnancy. We know that pregnant girls and women who can see their babies on ultrasound are far more likely to choose life. Your gift today can save babies' lives. Just $28 can give a mother the chance to see the truth of the baby that is growing inside her. $140 can do this for five girls and women. Whether you want to save one baby or five or hundreds, that opportunity is just a click or phone call away. Call 833-850-BABY. That's 833-850-2229. Or click on the preborn banner at wordfm.com.
0: Christian television is one of the best ways to tell the world the truth where you don't have to live in chaos and you can't access peace and hope and that there is a God who loves you.
9: Bridge of Hope is coming soon on Cornerstone Television Network. Get involved and hear from special guests Auntie Ann Beeler, founder of Auntie Ann's Pretzels, David and Nicole Binion, Jay Gilbert, Mike Smalley, and Jennifer Evaz. Join us October 3rd through 7th at 8 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network. <music>
4: Kurt Brooklyn is with us. Kurt is the senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. And and Kurt, welcome back to the show. How are you?
17: Thank you. I'm well, John. It's great to be with you today.
4: Thank you. Always a pleasure, Kurt. Hey, uh, before we get underway, uh, talk to us about your health. You know, uh, we talked to you a little bit ago. You had uh, an unfortunate accident where you uh, you fell off the roof and, you know, it kind of sidelined you. Are you up and running pretty good?
17: I am doing really well. I'm getting stronger every week and I am Clear to do anything, Excellent. and everything again, which really is miraculous. And so we're just so thankful. And uh, I was sharing with a friend earlier today, you know, i, I it's like a new profound sense of God's grace for me. Wow. Not that I don't understand God's grace, but that um, just the experience of it was fresh. So Excellent. just saying, I shouldn't have. Recovered so well, and I'm just so thankful. Very for good. Where I'm
4: at. Very, very good news. Really good. Excellent to hear it. Okay, so then, uh, what do you need now? Uh, your pastor, you've come here to talk about what your pastor needs now.
17: Yeah, well, um, so, yeah, when uh, we texted earlier today, John, just about this, and I just uh, was out for a run at one point and just praying, thinking about it, and I thought, if so I were to talk to people of faith or people who are thinking about faith throughout Pittsburgh, today, you know, what would be important? Yeah. And obviously there's politics and there's um, different issues with church and everything that's that's so acrimonious. And something that stuck out to me is I saw a survey recently about how many pastors are quitting right now and yeah. just giving up doing ministry. And uh, almost an alarming rate. And a lot of it is just the difficulty of the season era. And you know, I'm fortunate. I'm at a church that's uh, really gracious, and, and um, don't feel maybe as, as big a need. But my guess is that most pastors, if if you were to ask them today, what do they need? They, they would say something along these lines, and that is, you know, I just need you to come back first, show up. Um, you know, what's happened? I think in a lot of churches, from what I've understood, is is attendance is down, and and that's disheartening, I think, to people who who work hard to put on services week after week, and and I think what happened in the last couple of years is a lot of people um, moved from being fairly regular in attending church to to saying, you know, if there's a way to do it online later and I have a better option, then I guess I'll do it online uh, later, and and just simply making a commitment to being part of a church family and being there week in and week out will encourage your pastor probably more than you now.
4: Yeah. And, and Kurt, I think what you just said, your church family, right? So if you belong to a church for any, any number of time, you develop relationships in that church, right? They do become, especially if you've been there for years or decades, they become part of your family. So all of a sudden the pandemic came, people are zooming church, which was fine for a while. It was kind of a novelty to sit there on the couch in your pajamas on Sunday and, you know, see church Zoom. But to be honest, I miss those guys that I uh, hung out with, you know. I miss, you know, before and after, and I miss my pastor as well. I wanted to see him and look him in the eye. The church family is a vital part of what it is to be a believer.
17: Without any doubt, and you know the 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 church brings things to us. We bring things to the church, but the church brings things to us as well. Um, certainly, the support, the accountability, the the um, sense of community, the opportunity to, to love on people in person, to say I'm bringing something to this, are all part of it. And so, so yeah, I just simply would would encourage you, and you know, if you haven't found a church home or have never had a church home. Maybe it's time to find one to say, I was not intended to live in isolation and simply um, download the sermons I want to listen to. I was yeah. intended to be part of a community that experiences the Word of God together, that embodies it together. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that remotely. And so, so yeah, just simply showing up is is, is the first thing. The second thing I, I would encourage is just, and and I've said this at, at Orchard Hill for years, but. But decide to, to be part of something that's going to help you grow and is going to be an experience of community. Uh, no matter what size church you are, uh, a church that is just in rows and not in circles ever is at least somewhat limited. And so being in, in smaller groups, in studies, and growing um, is such an encouragement. And then, really, the, the I was in a meeting the other day with several people who are engaged in ministry. And the question was asked to them, you know, what's your greatest challenge right now? And the comment over and over was, um, well, my challenge right now is that I uh, can't get enough volunteers mm. as people have had that. And so, you know, just simply saying, you know what, maybe I took a couple years off of being active in service or doing different things, um, but now I'm going to, of, of the church community in terms of serving will just make a, a huge difference for the the heart and the soul of the pastor i mean certainly we could talk about encouraging a pastor um but you know i i understand that you know that That's different for every person, and
4: what they need is different. Yeah. I mean, it it is true, right? Whether it's church or your local school or the community, there's always, right, there's the body, and then there's a tiny percentage. I I don't know what that percentage is, Kurt, but is it 10%, 15%, probably not more than 20% of people who attend who are also actively engaged in serving the church, right? Doing something, stepping forward and saying, yeah, I got this. Don't worry about it
17: yeah the old percentages used to be twenty percent of the people do eighty percent of the work okay I don't know if that's true um but yeah, certainly just simply saying, do something tangible uh to help advance whatever God's doing here is um yeah, it's just a huge encouragement to those who are who are working at it day in and day out and and I realize that you know, as a listener, you may say. I don't really need to worry about what they need. Uh, aren't they here to serve me? Isn't about what they can give me? Yeah. But if you if you see a church that that's thriving, you know, on some level, uh, and even if it's not thriving outwardly, um, there are people who have who have labored and prayed and just given themselves to that. And anything you can do that, that helps them feeling encouraged and heartened in that is
4: substantial. Yeah. I mean, if you take the analogy of a church family further, I mean, everybody in the family does something to help the family to move things along, right? Whether you're, you know, you're paying the bills or you're working or you're you know, doing the dishes or whatnot, everybody's got a job. So it's not like you're going to the movies and you're just sitting there watching something unfold before you. And then you, you know, take your popcorn bag and go home. You got to be active. Right. Right.
17: Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and then the other thing I would say, and this is probably more intangible, but is is finding a way to help people who are, who are in a season of negativity mm-hmm. to, to see the big picture. And, and what I have noticed in church world that is, I would say, new. Um, it used to be people would get upset at a church or a pastor for what he or she said. Sure. What's happening now is people get upset for what the pastor doesn't say. Mm. And what I mean by that is it's, uh, well, you didn't make a statement about this, or, you know, you, you should have taken this stand. Um, right. Why didn't you come out immediately and say That's this? Why didn't we have a prayer for you know, hurricane victims this week. Why didn't and and everything is? Uh, you should. Uh-huh. And, and so, just helping people who are maybe expressing some negativity to to say, um, "Hey, let's let's see the bigger picture." Is this person teaching the text faithfully? Are they doing the things that, that are really their job? And maybe I'm expecting them to. To give me news commentary that is not their job, <laughs> right. rather than rather than teach me the Bible and disciple me yep. and help me to um, to grow in my passion for Jesus
4: Christ. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, look, Kurt, uh, we're not pastors, but we get a, a heck of a lot of negative mail. I can only imagine what the pastor must get. I mean, it, you got to be all things to all people. And that's not necessarily your job. Your job is to preach the gospel. Um It's not like you're doing public service announcement or opining on uh, politics or, you know, what's happening in the neighborhood.
17: Right. Well and again it's uh I understand why why people want direction on those things. So sure, I'm not sure. saying that it's irrelevant but but yeah, it's um, like I said, there's been just a change, I believe, in the overall tenor of what people want when they go to church of saying, I want you to reinforce what I believe and and say something about it so that I hear it. Right. And so yeah, anything that just helps a church rise above that and, reinforces the pastor's real call, which is not to be a commentator on the news, but a herald of the message of Jesus Christ.
4: I'm into that. Kurt, uh, okay, so what does a pastor need to hear right now? He needs people to show up, he needs people to help out, and he needs people to dampen the negativity in the church so the pastor can proclaim the gospel. Those are all very good things. Uh, Kurt, I hope all those things come your way in abundance.
17: Thank you, John. Appreciate you uh, having me on
4: today. Always a great pleasure, Kurt, always. Orchard Hill Church, check it out online or go in on Sunday morning. Be part of that church family. Reverend Kurt Bjorklund has joined us, senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. We'll take a quick break. be back in just a few. We are Pittsburgh's Christian Talk, and this is Word FM.
8: Pumpkins, 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 and more pumpkins pumpkins are what the Springhouse is thinking about this time of year. Hi, it's me, Marcia from the Springhouse, and we love sharing our farm with you during this beautiful time of year. We've got all kinds of fun planned for you and your family to be able to spend the whole day on our farm. Pumpkin patch hay rides, a petting zoo, giant square bale stack and pipes for sliding, a hay maze and a corn maze, pumpkin picking right out of the field, old time games under a tent up on the hill, and lots more. And when you get hungry, of Of course, we have great eats inside, too, with lots of pumpkin creations. Pumpkin pie, pumpkin cookies, pumpkin bread, pumpkin custard, and even pumpkin black bean chili. Every October Saturday features a family-friendly meal, and October Sundays feature our 4-H hog roast with all the fixings. Plan to spend a memory-making day on the farm at the Springhouse in 84 PA, 724-228-3339 or springhousemarket.com.
11: You're
14: not who you were 25 years ago. Your life's more complex. People change, families change, and the law changes. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman, and a proper estate plan should keep up with those changes. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer, someone who's really good at making complex concepts sound so simple so you can protect what's yours and to ensure that your will is done. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law.
0: Christian television is one of the best way to tell the world the truth, where you don't have to live in chaos, you can access peace and hope, and that there is a God
9: who loves you. Bridge of Hope is coming soon on Cornerstone Television Network. Get involved and hear from special guests Auntie Ann Beeler, founder of Auntie Ann's Pretzels, David and Nicole Binion, Jay Gilbert, Mike Smalley, and Jennifer Evaz. Join us October 3rd through 7th at 8 p.m. on Cornerstone Television Network.
10: Want to say big on new blinds? Blindster.com offers custom-made blind shades and shutters shipped directly to you at prices less than big box retailers. Shop Blindster now and save 45% off any order. Just use code RADIO. Offer ends soon. Shop today. Blindster.com.
14: In those days, ten men from all the nations will take hold of the garment of a Jew and say, we want to go with you, for we know that God is with you. Join Messianic Jewish evangelist Rabbi Kurt Schneider as he shares authentic teaching from the Old and New Testaments, unfolding revelation today for your brighter tomorrow on
7: Discovering the Jewish Jesus. Monday through Friday at 1.30 p.m. here on 101.5 Word FM.
5: Ask Alexa to play the word Pittsburgh to hear us there. We're on your Google speaker, too. Plus, iHeart, in and on Odyssey, 101.5 W O R D F M Pittsburgh. It's
4: kind of funny how we see ourselves, isn't it? How we see ourselves is often not accurate. I'll tell you a quick story. I was just thinking about this because Dean Weaver brought this up. Dean Weaver was saying, you know, it, don't be upset with me, but I, I was watching an episode of uh, The Sopranos. And uh, you know he talked about uh, Tony Soprano, which which made me think about James Gandolfini. Uh, and I'm not saying this as a as a point of you know uh, pride or anything like that. But uh, when I was in New York, and for many years after, uh, James Gandolfini was a good friend of mine. And uh, I, I was surprised, as anybody, as especially as James was, at his seemingly overnight stardom and a quick story because uh, you know when you're in a class when you're like you know when you're an actor or wh- whether it, you're in anything in, in performance you're always kind of measuring yourself it's just something you just you just can't help but not do right you see yourself if you're invested in you know your' you're who you are as that person that product whether you're a painter or a dancer or an actor anything in performance you you can't help but not see yourself and look around you and go how do i measure up so th- this was back in the you know uh, the mid 80s i believe yeah, 1985 or 86 somewhere in that ballpark i was in a small class and um Uh, we met, uh, between ninth and 10th on 42nd street. And when you signed up for this class, you had to, you had to say, "I I will, um, show up faithfully two days a week for the next two years for this class. And, um, I think the class started out, maybe there were like, uh, 25 people and then quickly it narrowed down to, there were about 18 of us, I think, who went through the whole process. And James was one of those guys. And, um. In the first class, I remember, you know, they sort of did like, who are you, where you're coming from, you know, how, how did you find yourself here? Because it was, a, you know, the, the teacher, her name was Catherine, Catherine Gately, very careful about the admissions of the people that she put in. You know, she wanted people who were serious about this. Anyway, I remember James and James got up there and he's, you know, in his little brief introduction, he said, well, I'm here because I think that I, I can do something. I like the idea, uh, if I remember correctly, I like the idea of being a storyteller. Now, from the outside looking in, James, by all accounts, he was what you would call a character actor, right? He had a particular look. He had a particular style. This was a guy who wasn't going to do Shakespeare. He just wasn't. So the class... Was all these different variations on scene work. There was Shakespeare. There was, you know, there was classics, and more often than not, James was kind of left out of that conversation, left behind. Anyway, we worked together at a bar, a place called Tastings on Two. It was on uh, Second Avenue in the mid fifties, and so I spent a lot of time with James in class and then out of class as well. And and he would say often. I'm not, I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. Long story short, he got cast in a little play downtown. And uh, Melissa Gilbert, who was a little house on the prairie, she her husband at the time, this guy named Bo Brickman, he was directing this play. And, and I went and saw this play. It was like in a storefront theater, maybe 50 seats. It wasn't great, but James was in it. Anyway, he got that connection and someone said to him, hey, we're doing a bus and truck company of streetcar named Desire in Europe. You want to be part of this? He was like, I want to be part of this. So I went to Europe. He played streetcar for a year. He came back from Europe. They were doing the Broadway production of streetcar. He got cast in that. And boom, all of a sudden it took off. So I would see James. We would, he would come to Pittsburgh occasionally to do a film. And I would say, what do you think? Are you good enough now? And he'd say, well, maybe I am. Today I am. It just goes to show you, right, how you see yourself and how other people see yourself, so diametrically opposed oftentimes. Anyway, a short story from the past.
6: The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.
8: This is Carol platley for townhall.com. This week marked the first Monday in October and thus the opening of the Supreme Court. This term.